It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 795 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, September the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got tons of stuff for you as the baseball playoffs get going today. All of the teams in the postseason have their own dedicated local shows with a local expert breaking it all down for you. If you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, you got Lockdown Blue Jays with AJ Andrews. And if you want to hear the Tampa Bay Rays side of things, Kevin Weiss and Ulysses Zambrano do a great job hosting Lockdown Rays. As much as the Rays are everything that is wrong with baseball, they are everything that's right with the podcasting world. So go listen to Locked On Rays, Locked On Jays ahead of today's game one between Tampa Bay and Toronto. Of course, if you're an NHL fan, the Tampa Bay Lightning won last night as well. The Stanley Cup, go listen to Locked On Lightning with Adam Denker to get the lowdown on your Stanley Cup champions. And that's enough network promotion off the top. Let's dive into it. On today's show, we are continuing on our series of player reviews for the 2019-20 season, taking the first segment to look at what happened this year, second segment to take a look at what happened or what might happen next season with that player as it relates to the team or maybe not. And then we'll close things out with a listener question and uh, do with that thing as we, as we always do. We might even get into a little bit of finals talk today if we don't have enough content to fill the Ronda Hellish Jefferson question portion. Uh, we got a couple questions in. We'll pick one or two, and then we'll uh, maybe talk about the finals a little bit. But uh, to do all of that that I have just uh, teased ahead to on today's show, it is our pal, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, Big V? Not much. Just uh, you know, enjoying these few off days away from the NBA before we get to the finals. Mm-hmm. I find 
catching up on some TV shows again. Getting, I feel like I'm getting back into that uh, lockdown routine that we had back in, you know, April and May. I feel like it's coming, so I've yeah. just decided to get back into it. Yeah, it seems like a good time to prepare. Um, hopefully, people don't get psycho about toilet paper this time around. Other than that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seems pretty much the same as it was, except, uh, you know, America doesn't care about it even more so than they did not back then. Um, and neither does Ontario, I guess. But we don't need to get bogged down in that. I, myself, am killing the time right now by becoming a, uh, a trade machine boy, which is... You know, not my favorite thing in the world to do. I feel kind of gross doing it. But um, ever since word came out that Miles Turner might be available, I got really excited and have been spending the last 24 hours or so concocting fake Miles Turner trades in my brain. Um, None of them make a ton of sense because trades are hard, as it turns out. Uh, Have you been doing the same Miles Turner or Victor Oladipo wish casting over the last 24 hours since that report? Uh, Not really. I mean, all due respect to Jarrett Weiss of The Athletic, um, I can't remember the last time he broke a story, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and even when I read the story, it was, you know, it was sort of kind of just thrown in there and talking about like Celtics potential options in the off season. Right. And so maybe Oladipo is available. Um, it sounded less likely that uh, Miles Turner was available based on what was in the story. So. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not there yet with the off-season trades and all that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of speculation about signing and trading Fred VanVleet as well. And yeah, I'm. I'm not there yet at all. I'd, I'd like to at least know a timeline of, you know, the draft and all that stuff before we start going crazy with the with the trade machine. That is probably a far healthier place to be. So congrats on that. Um, I can't attest to being at the greatest mental space right now. So that's how I'm getting through it is thinking about how Miles Turner would fit next to Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi in the front court that would allow zero points a game. I think probably. Um, See, the good thing for me is I I, uh, I have cricket in the morning to watch. So that takes oh, up nice. a good four hours. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good time killer in, uh, in pre-lockdown for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's funny a piece coming out and suggesting trade targets for the Celtics as if they'll ever, as if they'll ever actually cash in their trade pieces and make a trade. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, fun. they weren't the Danny Ainge wasn't willing to give up Terry Rozier and an Anthony Davis deal. Uh, <laughs> so I doubt he's gonna give up a guy who looks like Mr. Celtic and Gordon Hayward. God, I have really, really loved the dancing around on the Celtics grave and the takes, you know, normally it takes <laughs> to come out after a team loses in the conference finals are probably a little bit over the top. The conference finals is quite an achievement, but for the Celtics, my favorite one is just like the, yes, their team is okay now, but uh, imagine how good they would have been if they weren't cowards and actually made a trade for Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George or Anthony Davis. Uh, But of course they are not, uh, not cowards. They are very much cowards and that's the world we live in, which is nice. Uh, we're like seven minutes in the podcast. We haven't talked about Ronda Hollis Jefferson yet. Uh, let's do that now. Shall we? <laughs> Ronda Hollis Jefferson. He had himself a, uh, a fun little season with the Raptors. He of course was brought in as one of the quick signings after the loss of Kawhi Leonard, uh, really inspiring stuff. That was, uh, as much as it ended up working out just fine. the, Kawhi uh, signing with the Clippers and the next day being filled with Stanley Johnson and Ronda Hellish Jefferson news wasn't exactly uplifting, but Ronda turned himself into a nice little rotation piece for the Raptors this season, doing kind of a bunch of different things on the floor in sort of different iterations of lineups that he played in. 
of course, started off the season very much in Nick Nurse's doghouse as he was not finding uh, much rhythm when it came to the defensive schemes. Kind of the guy who was known for defense and defense only not bringing defense off the top was a little bit concerning. He, of course, figured that out. Finishes the season in 60 games played, six starts, seven points a game, 4.7 boards, 1.8 assists, uh, just under a steal a game as well. Shot 47% from the field uh, and a cool 13% on 0.4 attempts from three a game. Uh, we don't need to dive too much into Ronda Hellish Jefferson's three-point shooting. It has never been very, very good, as it turns out. Vivek, though, so what was your overall impression of Ronda Hellish Jefferson in his first and what we will probably get to in the second part of the show, uh, likely his only season in Toronto? Yeah, he was, you know, he had some nice moments in the regular season, but obviously he wasn't good in the areas where the Raptors needed him to be good. Um, he, he, the majority of his shot attempts came at the rim where he was not good. Um, it was like a choose-your-own-adventure every time. Uh, he was in there, uh, and the, I mean, it was wildly entertaining when, you know, it'll be missed layup, offensive rebound, uh, pump fake, pump fake, missed layup, offensive rebound. Um, at some point, he'd kick it out. So th- those were fun to watch, just not very productive uh, for the Raptors. And, you know, they, I, I think the most memorable stretches, obviously the West Coast trip, where, you know, he gave the Raptors – a lot against the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, the Blazers. I think that was a really memorable game because he was really effective against Damian Lillard. And then and then probably the Minnesota game where he got the yeah. surprise start at center uh, against Carl Anthony Towns and pumped him, basically. <laughs> and So, yeah, those are the things I'll remember about Rondé. But, yeah, in terms of the playoffs, to get into the rotation – if he could be more effective at the rim, I think there was a chance you would have seen him. Um, you know, especially considering that the Raptors did go to small ball a fair bit in the series, right? Mm-hmm. Toward, especially towards the end. And so, yeah, if he if he was you know, way better at the rim, I think I think he, he he'd be able to sell himself better. And then I think at, at a certain point, Nick Nurse also I think tried to find some value in him as like a point center almost mm-hmm. where he was bringing the ball up a bit and uh, trying to get the offense initiated. So I think going forward long-term in terms of uh, having a career in the NBA, I think uh, that's something that he should continue to work at because I think that is an area where maybe he can add some value to his game. So uh, yeah, a bit of point Ronde could be something that, you know, expands his value going forward. Yeah, I remember throwing out the idea, I think after game one or two against Boston, I think it was game one, where the offense just like completely stuck in mud and Marcus Saul looked like he was 85 years old. Like, I threw out the idea of maybe you just play Rondé at the five and you try to use him in sort of the same implementation that you did when, you know, you kind of have like Kyle screen for him and he was basically kind of running your pick and rolls from the top. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there's diminishing returns and how valuable that's going to be, especially in the playoffs. And I don't think it was ever a terribly realistic thing we were going to see. It was just like sort of an idea that the way they used him as the season progressed kind of per- perked up in my mind. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think there was necessarily 
any point in the series against Boston where it was like, oh, Ronda needs to be in there or anything like that. Their defense from the forward positions was so damn good. Uh, right. Serge Ibaka was, was just fine. And when they went small, like they, they went small just fine with Pascal to five. They didn't need to bring in Ronda to do that. And, you know, bringing in a guy who shoots 13% from three and is still a sort of rudimentary playmaker. I don't think he's like a bad playmaker by any means. He's had some nice assist totals in his past as well. Uh, a couple seasons with the Nets where he was pretty good in that regard. But to trust him with that burden when, you know, to sort of fill in for the gaps that Marcus Gasol was leaving behind against Boston in the second round felt kind of unfair to even put on him. So um, I, I'm not surprised we never saw him, but it was interesting that he sort of had those little parts of his game that he kind of worked in. That game against the Wolves, I think, is, I'm with you, is my favorite one of the year. 21 points, six boards. He had three steals, shot eight of 13, and yeah, completely punked Carl Anthony Towns. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> absurd. He was also a big part of the comeback against the Mavericks on December 22nd, the 30 point comeback with 14 minutes left. He had eight, 18 points in that game and was mm. a plus 19. So. Um, big shouts to Ronde. He, he did his part. He had the Lakers game, obviously, where him and Chris Boucher kind of hit the scene at the same time uh, on that road trip you talked about. It was an interesting year for Ronde Hollis-Jefferson, but I'm not, again, surprised that there was not much use for him in the postseason because his limitations are extremely, extremely real. And, you know, as much as it was really fun to watch him be NBA Buzz Lightyear and fall with style every time he got the ball in his hands, I don't think you could have counted on him to not do the thing where his brain is working like a hamster wheel and his legs are working like they're stuck in molasses. Like it just the, the coordination between his ideas and his body's ability to <laughs> execute said ideas was never quite there enough to trust him in a high leverage series. And that is uh, the story of Ronda Hellish Jefferson. And like I said, probably his one season in Toronto. We're going to get into the future of Ronda Hellish Jefferson and where he might fit were he to come back with the Raptors next season and maybe what the Raptors could do to bring him back. And we'll get into some of the financial side of things as well when it comes to Ronda. But first, I want to tell people about rockauto.com, which if you are afraid of mechanics and afraid of paying too much for your car the way I am, because boy, am I very, very bad at like spending as little money as possible when my car needs something fixed. I just believe what everyone says. I'm like, yeah, Fire it up, but charge me for that part, and uh, I get uh, fleeced as a result of it. RockAuto.com, however, is the site that you should be going to if you, like me, are uh, just f- a fool that mechanics can jerk around. Because RockAuto is a family. Uh, RockAuto.com, that is, is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need in just a few easy clicks and delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to, t- easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why would you spend up to twice as much when you could get the exact same parts for uh, half the price or more with rockauto.com go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com Today's show is also brought to you by DoorDash. Look, 
As we talked about it off the top, you're going to be staying home quite a bit in the months to come, it seems, especially if you are in the greater Toronto area. But that's okay because DoorDash has contactless delivery and they can get you the food that you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering with DoorDash is super easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your local re- favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery through these trying times. So just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food's going to be left right at at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to compete, keep the communities that we operate in safe. And it's a great way to just support your local spots. And you can also get with the chains as well. There's over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and DoorDash, uh, on Australia, sorry, with DoorDash. You can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. And right now, our listeners can get five bucks off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code locked on NBA. That's five bucks off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter the code locked on nba once again that's code locked on nba for five bucks off and free delivery with your first order on doordash all right big v so the future of ronde hollis jefferson looks murky obviously they brought him in on a minimum contract for this season first of all do you think ronde with his season this past year factoring out all the all the limitations he has factoring in the fact that most teams aren't going to have a ton of money to throw around this offseason has Rondé Hollis Jefferson played himself into being more than a minimum player in the NBA in 2020-2021 I don't think so mm-hmm. not yet because again I just go back to his rim finishing if that's where the majority of his shot attempts come from and he's not even you know, average at it, then I think that that's where you need to be able to separate, separate yourself on one thing or pride yourself on one thing. And obviously the, the number one thing he prides himself on is defense, but uh, the way the game is played now where, you know, offensive ceilings are just so much higher, you need to be able to uh, provide some type of threat when you're on the floor. And so for him, you know, I'm just looking at his numbers within five feet of the basket he was pretty much attempting on a per game basis, the same number of shots within five feet as a Norman Powell or an OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. And both of them are over 60%. Rondé was at 51.8. And that's Fred shit. <laughs> yeah. Fred, Fred finished the season at 48.5%. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. When you're supposed to be more of an interior guy, when it comes to your offensive game, and you're shooting at a level of, you know, 5'10", Fred Van Bleet, um, that's a problem. And so I think it's, it's, it's going to be a struggle for him to find more than the minimum, uh, especially, you know, in this cap situation where money's going to be tight. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see him getting more than a minimum from anyone. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I think had like one of the skills we're talking about, the playmaking, the finishing, even the three-point shot ticking up to even like 30% or something like that. Had one of those things come along, I think maybe he gets into sort of like a, a, a portion of a mid-level or something like that from a team. But I mean, you- Rondé's three-point shot, it's like you're hoping 30% of his attempts hit the rim. It's like, yeah, it's real bad, man. And I don't know, <laughs> like if I've... I'm not one to say like that jumper is unfixable for most people just because, you know, the coaches can work with you. And, you know, we've seen lots of guys who were not good shooters become good shooters. I am pretty sure Rondé and Michael Kidd Gilchrist's three point shots are utterly unfixable and that sucks for them. But 
Do you I remember that one it. shot? Yeah. That I, I, I feel like it was a Charlotte game where mm-hmm. Rondé put up a three and Nick just started laughing at him. <laughs> I don't recall it now, but uh, I might have to go back through the tape and look, th- look for that because that's awesome. Um, it was, yeah. yeah, it was an air ball. Um, it was pretty bad. And yeah, I think Nick was just in a situation where it's like, hey, what else can I do but laugh? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to let a guy cook. He had three made threes all season long. And I can tell you for sure, when he would hit them, the bench would go batshit crazy because why, why would you not? That's one of those things that uh, the bench, I'm sure, loved when it took place. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it'll be tough for him to get more than a minimum. I don't think he's out of the league by any means. I think he'll certainly get another contract somewhere because I think right. he did provide a lot of utility and his defense is still, you know, pretty high level. And he's, you know, he's not an all-defense player or anything like that because he doesn't play enough minutes to really get that recognition. But I think if you were to play him 35 minutes over the course of a season, you know, obviously he's going to detract offensively from you, but he could probably be in the all-defense conversation. He's really damn good. He can guard bigs. He can guard smalls. He can guard wings. He can kind of switch throughout the lineup, and that is really valuable to have, even if it is something that you're only using in a second unit or whatever it might be, or in a pinch when you want to go small and maybe you got some other options that aren't totally working for you. But I think there will be some market out there for him. Um, so with that said... That makes it, I guess, a little bit more palatable if the Raptors wanted to bring him back. Obviously, if he had played himself into a bigger contract, I would assume the Raptors would just say, all right, we got some fun, you know, good times out of him for a year, and we'll move on, and hopefully you get paid somewhere. If it's going to be a minimum, could you see the Raptors wanting to bring him back, or do you think the experiment was nice and fun, but they're thinking, mm, let's maybe try something else? Uh, I feel like that they're likely to just <clears throat> go bigger or – because uh, when I look at the minimum contracts now, ideally, if you're keeping flexibility for 2021, that's where you know the, the one-year minimum comes into play again. And if if Rondé is just not going to figure into the plans the way they would like it to, then you know why not give a minimum to someone else that you can maybe try and uh, you know explore and say, okay, what's this guy's ceiling? Because I just I just feel like there's a very limited ceiling in terms of Rondé's fit in Toronto, and so whether you're looking for a guard or a center, I think that's where the Raptors are more likely to use that money. And so, especially with the uncertainty uh, uncertainty at center, you know, uh, why not use the minimum towards uh, towards that? And so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they might use the mid level too. Uh, to address that but yeah i think with the uncertainty at center and the way the raptors are stacked up at the wing positions uh i think they're just more likely uh to use that money uh, to address another position yeah i think i'm with you there or just even if it's a similar type player just getting a different look and seeing hey maybe this broken shot we can fix this one you know, <laughs> it's uh, I think it's kind of a lost cause a little bit. And that's too bad because, you know, Rondé was fun to have around. You got, I'm not your child. You got all that fun stuff. Um, mm. There was certainly the wallet, the lost wallet. Yep, absolutely. There, there's certainly less entertaining guys to have on the team. And I also, I, I wonder, I'm not sure who, it might have been Eric Kareen on the Reasonablest podcast made note that Rondé might not be the type of personality who would take well to being benched in the playoff series. And perhaps that would maybe lead to him wanting to see greener pastures himself. And mm. maybe that is sort of a mutual parting of the ways. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if you're Rondé Hellish Jefferson, you can really be 
uh, all that upset if you're not playing in a playoff series because you're on right. Dallas Jefferson, but interesting to think about either way. And yeah, there's, you know, there's not a ton of like awesome options out there to like kind of bring in like a post hype type of guy. I think the main one that I want to see the Raptors go after is probably Harry Giles, which obviously he's mentioned is a different position, a big, uh, I think that'd be an interesting one to try for considering the Kings are uh, really bad at developing people. And probably you could milk more out of Harry Giles than they were able to. There's a few other guys as well. I don't know if like Wes Owandu is going to get a real contract this off season, or I know PJ Dozier is a free agent as well. Maybe you try one of those guys, although Dozier might've played himself into more money with that one playoff game. So um, it's tough to say, but we're talking like real scrape in the basement of, uh, of dudes right now. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. And again, you know, when I talk about the fit with the Raptors, it's, I, I go back to, again, if your primary game is finishing at the rim, why not use the minimum on someone who finishes at the rim better? Yeah. If uh, when you look at Rondé's skills, uh, and you look at what the Raptors needed. Um, and again, they're not going to get what they need for a playoff situation uh, out of a minimum contract. But I would imagine every hole in the roster that they're trying to fill uh, will be towards, you know, okay, what does this guy do to space out our offense? What is this guy? Uh, you know, there, there's that baseline that they expect defensively. But again, I think they, they will harp on more of, you know, what are the benefits this person brings to our offense? And I just don't see uh, Rondé's, uh, you know, sort of offensive repertoire uh, doing anything for the Raptors that they need. So you're saying that they're not going to run it back on hyphenated last name guys and go for Michael Kidd Gilchrist, correct? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Hyphenated last name guys who cannot shoot even a little tiny bit. Um, Man. (laughs) boy yeah uh it's a really rough uh tough sledding out there with dudes uh, you, know, uh, you know who is a free agent is one bruno caboclo baby small ball five point center he can do it <laughs> <laughs> um that seems like a pretty okay place to leave the talk of where ronde is going to be next season i don't think it'll be in toronto but it was a fun season nonetheless he goes down as He's not like quite Bismack tier as single season dudes who became fan favorites and like lead in fan favorite points per 36, but pretty, pretty high on that level. Kind of like a second tier guy, sort of, I think in on the lines of like a Reggie Evans, or like a Pop Spence, a Bonsu type guy who, you know, didn't play a terribly long career, but had some moments and was quite fun in the meantime. Um, with that, we're going to get to our listener question about Rondé Hollis Jefferson and maybe take a look at the finals if that question does not give us enough steam to get us through the end of this year podcast. But first, I want to remind everybody that the uh, NFL is back. If you're a football fan, we got tons of locked on NFL show- shows for you to check out. Um, you know, I'm a Tennessee Titans fan, sort of nominally, not really. I haven't watched a game in like four years, but I guess that's the team I like. Go listen to Locked On Titans and uh, get used to hearing about the team that runs the ball all the time in 2020. That's that's the way to win, correct? Yeah. Uh, anyway, go listen to your favorite Locked On NFL teams, Locked On Podcast today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, Big V, let's uh, get in now to the back part of the podcast. The listener question that has come in that we are going to opt with. It's not a lot, honestly. Rondé doesn't engender like, you know, crazy, exciting content necessarily. But 40 and Dunking sends in a question at Midlife Vertical. What would you say the betting odds are for uh, odds are at? Well, what would you set the betting odds at for whether Rondé is naturally right or left handed? I would personally bet on righty. Seems like a Tristan Thompson, Ben Simmons situation where he was forced to use his left hand as a kid. This is an interesting one. Obviously, um, coordination, not Rondé Hollis Jefferson's forte, as we've talked about. And maybe the fact that he's been playing with the wrong hand his entire life is to, is to blame for this. Or he might just be a very, very bad shooter <laughs> using whatever hand, his right hand, as his dominant hand right now. And there's just nothing that can be fixed there. What is your theory here, Big V, as to the handedness of Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Um, I mean... I'm pretty convinced he's left-handed. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible left hand for basketball. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, it, like, just in general, the way he shades to his left, even defensively, I do I do think uh, he is left-handed. So, I don't know. What would that make it? Like, like a one point <clears> – I'd almost go 1.3 on the odds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how odds work. It's an it's a difficult question for someone who doesn't gamble. Although yeah, I might I mean, take I, advantage I do, of uh, the American odds. So mm-hmm. you know the plus. Yeah, I, I guess in, a, in American odds that'd just be plus one thirty. I think, like if I was, I think one, that's correct. I, I look at it in, deci- in decimal points, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, this is great podcast content. It is uh, great podcast content. Hey, man, a certain uh, Boston fellow has made an entire career out of doing podcasts where they guess lines. Uh, apparently, it works. So, <laughs> Plus, casinos are open in Ontario now, so if you want to go to one and make a bet on this, I'm sure you could. And definitely not catch a horrible virus. That, you'd be fine. You know, It's not like uh, casinos are places where at-risk people tend to hang out or it's not like they don't have windows in there to properly ventilate it's all good it's everything's fine i'm doing great man uh um yeah i would say probably left as well because if not i'm concerned about uh other things that ronda hellish jefferson might do with his right hand like how does he eat food how does he use a fork if he's uh trying to use his right hand because the way he shoots a basketball with his right hand seems a little bit dubious um and i hope he's not like poking himself in the face with his fork as he tries to guide it to his mouth that feels uh kind of likely maybe if he goes with the left it's a little bit more natural and he can do all of his other motions i guess we have to figure out like does he golf left-handed if he was to play hockey would he shoot left-handed um i know like left-handedness is a far more like prevalent thing in canada for some reason i think because of hockey and what some weird reason i'm not really sure but he's a really good bowler um Ooh. and i'm pretty sure he bowls left-handed interesting i'm gonna find a video maybe of ronde hollis jefferson bowling <laughs> no there was one uh, i mean i think i think there were uh, short clips of him bowling in the open gym episode okay that was sort of centered on him yeah, he's left-handed, man. <laughs> <laughs> Rondé, uh, become Rondé Hollis Lefterson, and your your career might be saved. I'm gonna miss really stupid, bad Rondé Hollis Jefferson puns because never, never are they good. Because it's as as much as it seems like maybe an easy name to pun, it's really not. Um, but uh, it was always a fun challenge throughout the season. 
So just bring in someone who's punnable, please. Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri. Uh, that feels like probably an okay place to leave it, Big V. Do you have any parting shots on the finals, on Miles Turner trades, on, I don't know, life in general? It's been a weird – I feel very weird today. I don't know. <laughs> uh, parting shots. Game. I mean, parting shots is probably the favorite shot that Rondé took this season was uh, a Serge Ibaka kick to the face. Yep. Do you remember that against Indiana? I do. I do. Uh, yeah. So that'll be my parting shot. That was that was hilarious because he was completely fine. Um, it would not have been hilarious if he was in serious pain. No. Uh, I thought a member of the long list of Toronto Raptors who got hit in the face a bunch this season. It was yeah. a real face hitty kind of year. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> and you couple that with that. I, I, was that the game? No, that wasn't the game. It would have been hilarious if that was also the game where Sir Debaco gets the post game um, and says, "I do art." Oh yeah, yeah, art, art kicks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an so, interpretive dance in which I kick my teammates square in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, finals wise, I do think I do think Miami matches up better than uh, with the Lakers than Boston. So mm-hmm. uh, I am looking forward to that and. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Spo has uh, schematically for his Frankenstein. That is LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think there's some fun matchups. Obviously, Bam AD, I think, is just going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, that's the one you look forward to most. Um, we'll get a few fun possessions, I hope, between Iggy and LeBron. LeBron's mm-hmm. obviously going to get his no matter what, but... You know, hopefully it'll be a close series. I, I'm hoping for a competitive five or six games. Uh, I'd be I'd be pleasantly surprised if it went seven. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like LeBron sees the finish line, and this thing is see, it's going to be pretty tough to deny him at this point. I'm really, really fearing for like Tyler Hero if he gets LeBron on him. Like that feels like a dude LeBron would just take absolute glee in tuning <laughs> up. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think the Lakers are probably gonna win it pretty handily. As much as I want to believe that, like, oh, when you get past the top two players on each team, the Heat clearly have all the better players. You know, KCP has done a good enough job bridging that gap, I think. And uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis are the top two players in the series by quite a margin, and they're ridiculous. Mm. And I just. I, I feel like Bam will have to guard both LeBron and AD at various times, and he can only guard one of them. And I don't really see Jimmy Butler having much of a chance, as much as he's an insane person of guarding LeBron. It just seems kind of uh, like too much of a task for him. So, yeah, it's weird, man. Kind of wanting the Lakers to win because of LeBron is disgusting. And honestly, you know, we, we all love Zach Lowe and Ramona Shelburne, but that podcast that Zach Lowe did with Ramona Shelburne where she was talking about the disrespect of, uh, you know, Kevin Durant not taking a meeting with the Lakers in 2017 and how the Lakers just get to the finals, this is just what they do. That really, really soured me on the whole idea of wanting to support the Lakers even a tiny little bit, but I want LeBron hmm. to win. I don't want him to be three and seven. That would be very shitty for discourse. So it's a one-year Go LeBron, go Lakers, and then after that, uh, hopefully the Lakers go back into the death spiral they went into for an entire decade. <laughs> yeah, I haven't listened to that pod yet. Uh, I'm I'm catching up on podcasts slowly. 
so I'll get to that eventually. But yeah, that that's not. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, look, Ramona Shelburne's got her job and knows where her yeah. bread is buttered, I'm sure, and is not going to uh, disparage the Lakers. But, you know, <laughs> it's the. I'll whole- say this. Yeah. You know, all due respect to the Miami Heat, and I will definitely be rooting for them to make it as competitive as possible. Mm-hmm. If, if LeBron loses this, the narrative, will, like, it will be as big a blemish. Maybe not as big a blemish, but it'll be up there. With, with the Dallas series. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It'll be uh, be not pretty. I don't think he's going to lose it, man. He seems far too locked in. And two, I think, understanding that uh, he's 36 <laughs> and yeah. not many of these chances are going to come again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'll suck it up and root for the Lakers one time. But the whole, like, uh, we deserve this after, you know, dealing with six years of being bad as opposed to, uh, you know, most other franchises, that – I'm currently looking at a basketball card for the Raptors that features Linus Klaza, David Anderson, Jarrett Jack, Julian Wright, Joey Dorsey, and Reggie Evans on it. Um, Mm. I'm never going to feel sympathy for the Lakers ever. Uh, It's not happening. Anyway, that feels like a good place to leave it. We will uh, be back again on Wednesday with another episode of the podcast. We will continue on with our season reviews, unless, of course, some more dumb rumors about other players that the Raptors should not pursue come out, and then we can shoot those down the way we did with the Montrez Harrell thing on Monday. If you have not listened to that show yet, excuse me, it was a fun one. I have the hiccups. I haven't had anything to drink or anything like that on the podcast. I've got hiccups, though. Um, but yeah, Lucas Hand was on. We did a good job talking about uh, Montrez Harrell. It's a lot of fun, so go check that out for Monday. And uh, Big V, anything you want to plug? Uh, uh, some stuff at Complex. Uh, it'll be quieter now, but um, yeah, I'm gonna just figure out some stuff for the offseason. So I'll probably plug something next time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Uh, go uh, just read all of the stuff Vivek wrote this year. It's all very good. Uh, there's your plug. Anyway, that's gonna do it for today's show. We will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.